0: and welcome back to another episode here at the culture and sports podcast for those of you new to the show i'm wesley livingston
1: i'm mike Scaramella,
0: and we are your hosts and today we're here with another exciting um, insightful discussion with um, our next guest who i mean she's a a columbia grad um, an activist uh, documentarian Um, she started her career as a sports writer for the new york daily news um, then working for a time as a producer at ESPN then going on to join mob.com where she would go on to receive Emmy nominations for the mob original documentary Vintage Baseball also a writer here at cultureandsports.com welcome Sam Marciano welcome Sam how are you Yeah, absolutely. You
1: know, you have so many accolades, it was hard for us to uh, to say them all. I'm sure there's many more. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, as a... you know, kind we, of a long career. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And a, and a long career in sports, which is even better. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous, not going to lie. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, so you were a sports writer, that was the first thing you got into. Can you tell us maybe how you got your love for, uh, for sports to begin with?
2: Yeah, sure. You know it's interesting now looking back on it because at the time i would never have said that this was the case but um my father was a sportscaster for many many years in new york and i grew up going to work with him it was and it seemed like the greatest job in the world you know as a kid i was going to Jets and, and Giants practicing oh my God ranger games, and wow. I mean I went to the World Series, I went to the Super Bowl, I, mean, I could go on and on and on about all these incredible experiences that I had as a kid. I got to meet Muhammad Ali a couple of times, you know, it was just, it was incredible and um, I couldn't imagine doing anything else really, you know, I just thought that my father had the best job in the world. And uh, I wanted to to do it as well. And to my father's credit, he always brought me to work with him, and he never dissuaded me. Because at this time, this is going back a a while now, I was a kid in the the 1970s, uh, it was fairly unusual for a woman to want to go into sports. But my dad never made me feel that way, and he really encouraged me to pursue my dreams, and so that's what I did.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I can't. I can't believe. I mean, just so many different sports, so many different opportunities. Is that? I mean, was there a reason? I mean, I know from from you know what we've uh, looked up on you that you're a big baseball fan. Uh, was there one experience in general that kind of just pushed you towards you know loving baseball? You
2: know, it, it's interesting because baseball, really, uh, from a professional standpoint, as a woman, is one of the most intimidating sports to cover. But I, I loved it so much as a kid. Um, I think m- m- most of my memories and really loving baseball had to do a couple of things. One, um, I came of age when the Bad News Bears came out. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I'm not familiar with the movie. Very familiar. Um, prom- <laughs> Was this great, you know, lead female pitcher? And, and so I saw somebody on the the screen that I felt that I could be like, and uh, and that was really exciting, and uh, and the game was just was fun to play. Of course, I uh, like many women, I got steered to softball, and uh, I had a very uh, you know um, one and done softball career. I mean, it was one season. That was it. I really I wanted to play baseball, um, <laughs> yeah. but I did fall in love with the game. And I also something that. Don't get to do nowadays, but I would watch after school. Um, you know those. Uh, there were so many more afternoon games in the playoffs. I remember the ALCS being on and being able to come home from after school and watch games. And I was a latchkey kid in the '70s, so it was really uh, baseball was my companion yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. Absolutely, so I think that's that's why. But I really did love. I mean, I loved hockey too. You know, and I started my career uh, covering the covering the uh, the Islanders. Um, and I love that sport as well. It was so exciting, uh, especially being at, at Madison Square Garden as a kid. The energy in the, the building was just incredible. So I, I definitely fed off of that, although I didn't really think I had much of a future as a, as a hockey player. And I, I love the fact that, that you know, it's uh, such a, a popular sport for women now. I, I wish that I'd come of age uh, maybe 20 years later.
1: <laughs> yeah, hockey's hockey's a... a... An awesome sport. I wish it, if we had more hockey out here in California. I think I probably would have played. I was I was a baseball guy too. But I feel like I feel like for some reason everybody that I talk to that plays baseball or you know even even some some of the, the girls that I know that play softball uh, they they're kind of drawn to both sports for some reason. I don't know. It's I feel like that you know a good good athleticism is needed for both of those. <laughs> yeah,
2: what is that? I don't know what that. Maybe it's just the seasons are, are compatible with one another. You know, maybe it's that. But That's
1: true. Yeah.
0: Now, are seeing that, you know, Major League Baseball was one of the first, you know, leagues to have a professional women's league in it, I'm surprised that it hasn't, you know, continued or been brought back, you know, today. You know, I'm really surprised, I know we... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well...
2: Started as a co ed sport. The, the earliest references to the game going back uh, to England in the, the mid 1700s, women played the game uh, and they continued to play uh, you know, to the turn of the, the century in, in, in the US. Um, it was only when baseball became uh, more commercial and became the business uh, women uh, got pushed out um, and then. You know, very famously, uh, another film reference, uh, A League of Their Own, you know, women um, played during uh, World War II and when, when men were off fighting for, for the US. Um, but I think that, and then, and then what happened was, uh, you know, s- girls couldn't play softball. It wasn't until 1974 that they actually got the, uh, the right legally to play. And softball got pumped up for, for girls, and they were steered towards softball. And then, and then of course, then you had Title IX happen, um, you know, in the U.S., and, and then if there are no scholarships available for, for girls, you know, it depletes the pipeline because if you're not going to be able to play in college, why, why play the sport?
1: Well, it's just kind of interesting to me because, you know, you have, you know, uh, a lot of male and female-like sports in schools – but, you know, then you have baseball and softball, which I feel like is it's a similar game. But I mean, it's it's also very, very different. I mean, uh, I mean, there's guys and girls softball, things like that. So it's interesting how, you know, it never I wonder if it was advertising or something like that that just caused them to just push it more towards, you know, a male kind of a sport. Yeah,
0: you would think you would think marketing had a, has a big thing to yeah. do with it. And, you know, the fact that, you know.
1: Well, you were saying that Spalding uh, had a, a big, you know, a big push towards like a masculine, you know, type of a, a, a going towards like a masculine type of a, a sport, yeah. which is interesting how they tried to do that. And, yeah. you, know, you think they could have gotten more out of it? If yeah, they and to it's hard to
0: convince you know a girl to go play softball when after you you know graduate college, where you where are you supposed to go? Right. Supposed to play for the Olympic yeah, team yeah, or? Well,
2: think, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the history part of it's fascinating because it was so you know that was the lead up to world war one and there was a real sense of establishing an american identity and that identity was very much rooted in a a masculine ideal and uh you could uh, you can understand why someone like spaulding uh in selling sporting goods would want to just call that for as much as possible right um, and you know at that time we didn't have the kind of the sense of uh Gender equity that we do today, so those things had to be uh, separated in, in order to sell it. Interestingly enough, uh, you know, now in today's culture and climate, if you look at the sports best positions to to move into the future, they're all the sports that have an equal male female counterpart.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the you know, NBA,
2: you know, soccer, tennis, uh, the, all these sports. It's not. Uh, you know, there's no difference between uh, between the men's game and the women's game in terms of you know,
1: the, the the game itself. And they took they took men's baseball out of the Olympics, didn't they? And, and do, you, I, I, does anybody know for in. sure? They did they put it back in, okay. Because I was pay. thinking, I wonder, I wonder if that might have had anything to do with not having, you know, um, a, a female team for it. Um, yeah, and
0: I'm, I'm su- and I'm surprised too because I, I believe it was Japan who had the first woman to play professional. Baseball. I think I believe they were the first ones, and and I'm just surprised it hasn't carried over. It just it really doesn't make sense with all you know, the leaps that we made. You know, yeah. Yeah.
2: What's insulting about um, it being added to the Olympics is that when when baseball was was put back in, it was okay. We're adding baseball and softball. So just by saying it, it was kind of like, okay, well, these two things are the same thing. Right. And yeah. Both, <laughs> like right. And, and they're much. different. They yeah,
1: are different. Absolutely. Like, it's not the same. And it's, it's, it's because, I mean, they, they could have men's softball, you know, like they could have, they could right. do, I the mean, same. like, you know what I'm saying? So like, it should not be tied to the same thing and same thing with scholarships and things like that in college, I think.
2: But that would be the game, that would be the real game changer in the U.S. is if there were uh, baseball scholarships for, for women. And softball scholarships for men, you know, it should, it should all be equal. So if that happens, I think you would see an enormous change in participation rates. Because now girls will play in Little League and then the numbers drop off when you go to, when you look at the high school.
1: Absolutely. Because they get drawn towards softball because that's what you do technically is, you know, from the norms of, you know, the, what has been happening. So it's like, you know. Where
2: I, you have a chance to play in college.
1: Right right um, and, and, it, and it does it's it's terrible when you have you know you have uh, college and then you have the Olympics after that and that's pretty much it for for softball you know they don't have a professional I don't not to my knowledge a professional softball league um, yet I mean hopefully they they will you know um, soon but I'm not sure if they really do do you, do you know about that at all um, Not
2: that I'm aware of I, I do think that the really interesting thing about baseball is that if you think about any of the, the, the major sports, baseball is really the one that's actually best positioned to be a, a co-ed game. Um, I mean, that's how it started, yeah. and it, it could go back uh, again, and actually um, Francis Ford Coppola, the, the, the director, is one of the, the biggest proponents of co-ed baseball, and all the possibility that it could hold, and it's just it's so interesting to me that in our minds something like that is almost it's almost unthinkable you know that uh, we, could we really have co-ed sports at you know at, at a high level the Olympics added a, a bunch of them recently because they know that's where the, the mindset of, of um, you know younger younger people is, but for a lot just as an organizing principle it still seems out of the box and I, I question why
1: and I think it I think it might be like, it could be like extremely hard i mean for especially for me i'm I'm trying to think of how they how they would do it because like you know would they have you know um just one co-ed team or would they have a co-ed team a guy's team and a girl's team like you know how would they want to structure that um going forward you know having to deal with you know giving scholarships things like that um is you think they'd have to add a whole nother team or do you think they would just narrow it down to one team
2: it's a it's a good question, and there are definitely smarter minds than mine that can figure something like
1: that out. <laughs> that's, a, that's a typical one. That's gonna be yeah. But,
2: but but I think that it can be. I don't I don't think that accepting well it hasn't been done that way or how do you do it? You know because another par, another um, aspect that gets thrown into this is that. I mean, there's, and, I'm, and this is a topic I, I teach at the uh, at NYU at the Tisch Institute of Global Sport and um, every year for the last I would say five or six years students, their they're focus the things when I get feedback from them of what they're interested in um, in terms of issues it always goes, uh, transgender athletes are, are just, it's what they're what they gravitate towards what they want to discuss because um there's so much to, to understand and unpack about uh, about this issue, um, but the transgender athlete actually is uh, a part of this discussion of how binary sports are because we've decided to, to classify them based on uh, do you play men's sports or do you play women's sports, and so um, they know the the transgender athlete kind of uh, upsets that whole apple cart. how Mm -hmm. do we how do we view this what's the organizing principle and i would just suggest that um to really to, to leadership in sports that it's time to just to rethink it you know are there other ways to um to to uh classify athletes that aren't just based on uh gender
1: right and it's hard to think out of the box sometimes because you know you're put in that you're put in that box from you know a certain image yes. and you're just you're stuck there and then you gotta you gotta figure out a way out of it whether it being you know a make you know a, one single team you know best people make it on the team or if it's you know every one of guys and a girls and a multi you know a, um uh uh, uh multi-gender uh, gender, yeah. uh team you know so yeah i think it's gonna be it's definitely something but you know we the, the hardest part about it is getting somebody to like you know an entire uh an entire like Culture. league to adapt to it and to actually to to adopt it
0: you know um, I see, and i feel like you know we are you know making steps and slowly as a society um, baseball seems to be coming on a little bit slower than than most sports, but in the case we were just talking about in the Olympics, the Castor Semenya um, case of the transgender athlete, um, that's a case. Um, and then you see, like you just see, baseball is always just behind behind the curve. Um, you have the first openly gay football player um, coming out, and it seems like always society's changing, but baseball is always just a couple of real, uh, couple of years or decades behind when it comes to. you know, their rule changes like their rules are you know the same and rules i feel really. like
1: part of that is just because it's you know america's past i mean it's super culture and it's like it's you know it was brought up to be that way you i would, feel like in the beginning which is
0: yeah you would think of it you know it's the times the you know that more that equally involved but yeah it's just it's just i, it's, th- I think the biggest
2: that's really what is the the that's what leads is you know um that's what leads to discussion and and the ownership in baseball is a um older uh more homogenous um crowd you know that's slowly it's slowly changing but uh you know the nba for example um it wasn't so Valuable to own an NBA franchise not all that long ago, Uh, so the infusion of people you know, you had more diverse ownership. You know, even back in the in the fifties and sixties, and then when they were having a uh, a changeover of ownership, they were really, did who they brought into the game with an eye towards the future. Uh, Baseball didn't have as much of that available, uh, you know, to them, and I think you know the NFL um uh, yes Michael Sam uh came out but um I th- there was a lot going on you know with, with that situation that he, I mean he didn't get to play you know he should have a lot of people say that he should have been drafted higher mm-hmm. and then he you know he didn't play in an NFL game he was a you know practice squad player yeah, exactly. So, um it's questionable to me just how much um you know how, how how that shows that uh, that the NFL is, is is evolved. I mean, there are other things that might point to um, their inclusion efforts, but it's I think it's um, you know there's a lot to be there's a lot left to be desired, but that's yeah
1: no I totally agree. There's and, and, and like I said, I mean the good thing is is, is things are changing, um, and we just got to make sure you know we just everybody's got to roll with the times and it's it's everything's everything's you know slightly changing and you know it's not it's it's never a bad thing it's always you know good so it's it's going to be interesting to see where baseball takes it from from then just hopefully they like you know maybe they they look at the nba or or you know other franchises and just kind of take a look and and re-establish themselves in that um but i mean for kind of like i'm just, I'm just trying to think of the culture the culture in it now so i mean oh. you know you have your original you know back in the day you have a different a totally different culture than it was back then and i feel like it's a lot to do with the coaches and the players do you think like it, you know there's a specific area where you know we need to have that leadership
2: um i th- well in terms of i mean if you're talking about let's say if we're talking about the lgbtq issues specifically in, in men's sports right if you're talking about uh, out players it got better for a brief period of time. It looked like, you know, more players were feeling comfortable uh, you know, being out. Uh, but that's not necessarily so true right now. I mean, how many out players are there in men's professional sports?
0: Uh, couldn't even tell you. Less than a handful.
2: Right. I don't even know if they're maybe in, maybe in MLS. I, you know, I don't... It seemed like it was going in that direction, but mm-hmm. then it didn't. So I'm not quite sure how much better it actually is. Um, I think that there's a great show of uh, pride nights, um, you know, of um, anti-bullying efforts, of embracing all of the the language around diversity and inclusion. um, But you're not necessarily seeing, um, you know, the, the, you don't see out coaches, uh, you don't see out players, and until there's that representation I don't really know how much how much better it is, um, and I think that it's 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 a change. Obviously, it always starts it always starts at the top. Um, I think this is an area where culture is actually is is ahead of sports. You know, there's that always that question of is sports the thermometer or the thermostat and. Um, you know, in this case, it's it's certainly not the thermostat because I don't think the, the culture in sports is anywhere near where we are as a society.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you and you can see you can see progress, and it's good to see in, in more the the progressive areas. Um, and for instance, in recently, Alyssa Nakin, um, Nakin I believe um, was yeah. introduced into Major League Baseball as the first female coach. Um, you know so you know places like that the cultures and society in certain areas you could see affecting teams and putting pressure on owners to you know make sure they're looking at um, everybody you know as candidates and being inclusion in every at all positions so you know it, it does take areas in societies to you know kind of influence these coaches who have also uh, and owners who have been owners and controlling the league for so long
1: and, and going back to yeah, that
2: because what is um, true now is that there's recognition of the business imperative um, in terms of diversity and inclusion and that's that's new Um, that's in recent years and so you are seeing uh, women's coaches in men's sports you're you're seeing uh, more opportunities for broadcasters Um, I, I was uh, a correspondent for Fox, uh, in the in the nineties, and it was. I know I very much felt that there was uh, kind of a glass ceiling in terms of um, you know the role that that the women could play, and now women are you know doing certainly play by play seems something that was was out of reach, and you, you see you're seeing that now. Um, mm-hmm. So the business case, the the fact that culture is at a certain point and sports knows that it has to catch up as an industry is creating more opportunity for women and that is uh that's fantastic um and those are huge steps in in the in the right direction so um, hopefully we'll continue to see more of that
1: and i i almost think that it's it's moving a little faster than people see i mean we see stuff on the news things like that we finally get caught up to it but you know i wonder how many you know like just we'll say go back to the NFL how many players which you know they might be openly gay like to their teammates but you know some some people just don't want to make a statement and I feel like uh other people you know um are just you know they're comfortable around their team like you know playing baseball I had you know a couple guys that played it that were gay and it's just like you know we're you know no no hiding it but it's not like they wanted to come out and just you know um and you know kind of put it put it out there so I mean I'm sure that's going on and I think that um, that people are, are being, you know, more respectful, and they're just understanding more that it's kind of a normal thing. You know, it just it's it's always been there. It's just people haven't always been saying it.
2: Yes, absolutely. And there are I'm sure there are many players that do feel comfortable being out to the people around them, um, and not necessarily publicly. And um, you know, I mean, sports is a, is a great equalizer. Um, So, in that sense, that's very positive, but, um, you know, the representation piece um, more broadly is just, would be so impactful um, for so many people that, um, you know, and I think that there are so many LGBTQ kids who don't feel that sports is is for them, or they don't feel comfortable, you know, in, in participating. And, and that's a real, that, that is just a, that's a real shame um, and a real disservice to, to um, you know, to, to use across, you know, any country. Yeah.
1: Especially if they have a passion for the game, you know, like it's tough when, you know, if they, yes. if they have no interest in it, then, you know, that's, that is what it is. But, you know, if they're like, hey, look, I really want to play baseball or I want to play football and, and they just don't see, you know, anybody like them doing it, it could be definitely, you know, it could tear you down a little bit.
2: Exactly. And that's the biggest reason why, um, why it needs to change.
1: Agreed. Uh, so, going forward, do you ever think that uh, there might be uh, a chance to get some women's hardball baseball going?
2: Um, I have gone through moments when I am optimistic about it. <laughs> <And then laughs> budgets so much um, is really that that scholarship piece is is so important um, but it seems farther away um, than it did uh, you know pre-pandemic days Um, that's the piece of it that I think is is really tricky but at the the same time um, I'm so impressed by, by by you know Millennials by Gen Z by you know the the, the next one's coming up the pipe, that yes. there's just such a different um, attitude in terms of um, you know kind of uh, uh, an activism that I wouldn't put anything past uh, you know the generations that are that are out there playing right now. So um, that's that's what encourages me you know the most and 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 that there are more you know that I know that. Even for my generation, um, I was very much a part of, of a kind of a mindset of you felt very lucky to have the job that you had, and you also felt, and I, or I felt, you know, you had to kind of protect that job and, and be careful because if, if you lost it, there would be another one. Um, you were kind of, and you didn't have other, you didn't really have a network of, of women. I had a few, but... Um, now I think it, women have a, you know they're just more numbers and um, and I think that gives rise to
1: bigger voices. Yeah, and that and that definitely that'll keep people from doing things right there. I mean, just that that having being scared not to you know not to be able to go like hey look if I lose this or if I look for another opportunity there's a chance that I won't get this back and that's I mean that's terrifying for everybody but more so in that case for sure. Yeah,
2: I mean I it, I it never crossed my mind to speak up about anything (laughs) you know like any 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 issue that i would have as a female reporter um was never handled externally it was all handled internally um and i really you know now it's it's kind of it's a different time and 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 women can you know it's still very 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 difficult Uh, but even you know it's interesting you think of what happened with the uh, the Houston Astros and the uh, the reporter that was um, berated in the in the or, or taunted in the in the clubhouse after they, they won the NLCS a few years ago? You know, it was another female reporter who uh, who wrote the story. Um, you know, very interesting. And there was there was there was a third female reporter there too. So you know, there was there was just this this number. There were a number of people. Whereas that that had been an isolated. Situation. I don't know if there had been just one woman in that locker
1: room, if, if, it, if it would have gone down differently. Yeah, and I'm—I I haven't really seen so much on that. I'd have to to take a look at it more. I'd wish I could throw in more on that because it's super interesting. Um, but yeah, so so what kind of happened with that? Did so did they did she get just berated in the room? Was it like a harassment type type of deal? Um, yeah,
2: what it what had happened, and it, this raises one of the most interesting con um conflicts for women reporters is that this um the 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 astros had gotten um osuna their reliever um and he had been he had, had one of the largest suspensions for uh domestic violence um you know the mlb actually has a very good policy with domestic violence yeah. it was um it was um, um, jointly uh bargained with the players association and the league um so he got his suspension and then the, the Astros picked him up and um, there, this reporter uh, had um, every time that the every time was sooner appeared in the game, um, this reporter would, Tweet would tweet the domestic abuse hotline telephone number, the local number, Mm -hmm. and apparently that didn't sit well with the Astros or with this particular um, executive on the Astros, and Mm -hmm. so um, when the Astros won, um, this reporter was taunted in the locker room by by the assistant general manager, and uh, another reporter, um, her name escapes me right now, but she worked for uh, Sports Illustrated, she witnessed this, and she wrote about it for Sports Illustrated. And initially, the Astros denied that it took place. Um, and then there was um, there were other people who um, collaborated the uh, the account, um, and it led to um, to the dismissal of this executive.
1: Hey, well, you know what? If you if you don't want to get in trouble, don't get in trouble. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: you know yeah. don't 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 bring it on yourself and then throw it on somebody else and ruin somebody you know because i mean yeah. that's a lot of power that i mean that that those guys have so they could they could totally ruin somebody's life and just say hey look you're no longer invited into the locker room ever and look there goes that person's career and i feel like that's something I'm sure that you know you have more obviously have more experience on me, but uh, so you get invited to these places to go Do you get invited to go and like do the interviews inside the locker rooms? How does that work?
2: Yeah, well, you know, you're raising a really interesting point because this is this, this issue of access and that's with especially with domestic violence Which is or, or sexual violence in general, which is just um, a very big issue um, covering professional athletes and so as a reporter and men and women alike have to make the choice of, you know, uh, in terms of covering things, um, women tend to, with domestic violence stories, um, you know, it's it's always this great decision of, of how voraciously do you uh, pursue coverage? What, what place does it merit in your coverage? And you are um, in an environment that you are you know, you're granted a press credential you are given access and that can be revoked at any time so uh, it can create some real ethical dilemmas about you know I, I, I last semester I had uh, Julie DeCaro, um, guest lecture in one of my classes and she was a, um, a radio personality in, in Chicago and an author and, and writer very very talented person and you um, you know, she really there was a, a domestic violence case with the Chicago Cubs that she reported on, uh, intently, and she was then denied access to the team. Um, wow. so you know, it, it definitely comes at a at personal risk and uh, and sacrifice for sure. Well, and then they're
1: molding your stories, it's like, okay, well, now you they're molding what you could do and what you can't do, and it's and that's not right because I mean, reporting is reporting, you report on the facts. And if somebody, you know, if, if these things happening, like these are things that people want to know. And uh, I mean, it makes it makes it uh, challenging.
0: And and are, are these some of the things you, you might have worked on when you were, uh, you know, the chair for social responsibility of sports at NYU? Are these, you know, some of the topics that, you know, would come up or?
2: Search and so to really get an understanding of how each league um, views social responsibility, yes. what it means, uh, you know, how they define it, um, and how they, you know, how they how they implement, um, you know, um, what they feel their their um, obligation is, um, and that really focused a lot more on on the business imperative. Um, you know and that piece of it is where you see you really see the, the most traction the reporting um, it, it's important but it's actually um, you know the internal efforts of the league like if you're if you're if you're in a league you want to create a situation where you're not even
0: you're not even dealing with it to begin with exactly right? if yeah you're, sure. you can avoid it training, is the yeah yeah if you're training your your,
2: your personality well and you're, you're choosing them well to begin with, um, then, you, sh- then you, know, you should really minimize the issues that you have. Um, and, um, and you can, there's a lot that can be, you know, people should really, you know, you know, there are a lot of leagues that are very effective at not even having it get out to the public. Um, you know, they handle it uh, so in, internally so um, the
0: NCAA so that's kind of, yeah, yeah. And, and by internally yeah. are they are they like uh you know
1: paying lawyers keep people quiet doing that kind of thing uh on a normal basis would you say
2: you know settlements are you know a part of a part of doing business but when I think weeks situations that I've heard of where it's handled effectively is um peer-to-peer counseling that um you know, instead the trainings that they'll do internally. If there's an issue, um, let's say if there's if there's a case that a player that there's there's a system internally where players and coaches will work with you know the individual who's um, going through something and. Um, a complicated issue. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't necess- it doesn't necessarily there doesn't have to be some you know public flogging of a person or I mean, that's right. Hanging of a person, you know, that it can be handled in a, a quiet way and still be effective. Um, so some of those those counseling uh, opportunities um, can be highly effective.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I believe that absolutely. Just uh, close one-on-one encounters. You know the conferences and yeah. the meeting with the athletes and the coaches and the, even the parents. I think making sure parents are getting involved and being aware of
1: yeah, guys. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, aware of what their their kids are going through um, when they are playing sports. Or. Um, so, Sam, what's what's going on now? What do you What are you working on now? Are you
2: <laughs> on my mind. It is teaching a course called Ethical Issues in Sport. Um, which is amazing. well that
1: fits right yeah. in <laughs> Yeah, yes it
2: does. It, yeah. it definitely does. Um, and I um I'm very much looking forward to uh, to class, although in the world of
0: COVID, you know, it's always a little anxiety producing. <laughs> and and are you guys are you guys in class? Everyone's in class right now? Yes. Yeah. That is nice. Um, yeah, it
2: is so good because you know, two and a half hour Zoom calls are
0: just not the way to learn. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know? um, oh, it's got to be. It's got to be difficult. And do uh, you have like you know all the students like on like you have like the thirty cameras, everybody's on the camera at the same time. That's gonna be so tough. If you're <laughs> if you're not in class.
2: shakes either i mean no. it's definitely it's more challenging to to teach that way but you know hey I'll, I'll, I'll absolutely take it um and the thing that i think is exciting about ethical issues in sports is that um you know i always tell the students this is that i'm not i'm not teaching them ethics i am teaching them how to create their own ethical framework and i think that just putting that on the table um for for people who are interested in, in, in going into the, the industry, um, you know, have have your have a decision making process. What are your ethics? You know, figure try to figure that out and, and think on it uh before you go into the workplace because it will you
0: will be tested. Um we all in any industry we are. Do you do you believe that makes it more difficult now with um, athletes getting paid off of their name, Im- image, and likeness?
1: That'd be for That's the college players, yeah, true. crazy. Yeah. D- is, is it
0: more
2: difficult for, for college kids, or is it more difficult for the people
0: who are enticing them? <laughs> I would yeah, I would say for the college kids, just also the added pressure and the you know responsibility of also you know having. They're fi- like financial future at their hands as well, on top of you know going yes, to school. They're, they're their opportunity. They could they could yes. seize it or they could blow it. Yeah. Right so there. having that extra you know mentorship or help you know along the way. So maybe
1: they should create like you have that you know that uh, ethics and sports. Maybe they should have your class just mandatory for the guys <laughs> the guys and girls that are playing sports. Yeah, that it sounds. Yeah,
0: well, you know, I I do
2: think that there there is an, uh, a, res- a responsibility. And an obligation to to help students um under, navigate you know what they're getting into um and and be able to navigate the waters and, and make um educated choices but um uh, you know I at least in the U S if you can vote if you can serve your country um, I absolutely think that you can you know why why is it that an athlete can you know I don't know.
0: Wash cars. Um, yeah, um, get paid money
2: to wash cars, but can't you know promote the car
0: dealership? It just—it's just, right. just nonsensical. To me. Exactly.
1: Absolutely. It's—it's uh, all—it's all—it's all technically a business, and you know, I could teach some of these guys—you know—that business professionalism. Hopefully, it doesn't turn some people uh, into maniacs, which can't happen as well. But you know, if they have like the right guidance. Uh, Especially right now, a lot of these kids, like they're going to need some guidance to figure out how to uh, interpret all this because it's it's new and it's definitely something that's you know it's it's just not quite. I feel like it's not quite settled yet. Yeah. So there's still a lot of questions. And to
0: understand that, even most athletes go bankrupt within their after their first couple years. So I mean, the money's not going to be forever, even though it may seem like. Right.
1: Right. So they got to get those ethics in place and kind of understand how to you know move forward and take that almost into business and into other things that they do with their lives.
2: Yeah, and hey, you know, here's the thing, too. You're right, that there's, like, the there's, there wrinkles have to be smoothed out, but the other part of it is that we know what happens in the in, in the reverse situation, right? Because that's what we've been living with. We know yeah. that, um, you know, people get exploited and, and taken advantage of, and, you know, it's... So, I mean, it, it, the, the proof of the, the kind of... Um, that the old model wasn't working, um, yes, uh, exactly. you know, is, is, is abundant. Um so, you know, we try something else, and it's going to have to be tinkered with. I mean, quite honestly, I'm way more concerned about the impact that, that gambling is going to have on, <laughs> oh, yeah. on sport than I am about a name like this and image, you know? Like, that's, like, that's, I, I think that, you know, um, we're, we're in the midst of a, of a sea change in that regard that has profound, profound implications um, the industry and the people who,
1: who are, are fans of, of sports. Absolutely. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I'm, I'm kind of excited just to see and just kind of read about some of the people that are getting paid and how they're doing it because, because we don't know really how. I mean, we kind of know how it's going to work, but I mean, at the same time, like, I mean, all this stuff, you know, it'll surprise you.
2: <laughs> yes. Next, so um, I think that if it, 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 staying stagnant um, it would, would really, I think, culturally marginalize uh, sports, and so you know we have to embrace the, the change, and um, you know, and that and that is where good leadership comes in because um, you know you have to navigate those waters, but but you know the game, games are all about all about. Um, you know uh, about stepping into stepping into you know
1: stepping into the future. Yeah, and de- and definitely, and I feel like we're definitely on the right path, which is good. I mean, it's slow slow comings, but we are we are on our way. I feel like.
2: Absolutely.
0: Um, I, I see you're also. Um, I don't believe we talked about you're currently um, outreach director. Um, for athlete. athlete. athlete.
2: organization then became an uh, outreach director for it um, athlete ally is an organization that uh, works to end um, homophobia and transphobia and I really felt that as a as a woman in sports um, I very much um, leaned into my allies um, absolutely there were a lot of athletes um, when I would cover uh, teams who I could think about my first my first game covering the the islanders uh way back for the daily news um in that locker room at that time uh i don't know if it's like ancient names but there was brian trottier who had been on the dynasty teams he was in his last couple of years and then there was a young player named pat lafontaine who ended up you know having great success in, in the league and was captain of that team but they Pat, early on um when i was covering the islanders you know he to me and he said you know if, if anyone gives you trouble on this team come to me talk to me tell me I want to know and and, and um, that's that is how I not navigated um, a lot was finding the guy in the room who um, was an ally and would um, you know would help proper yeah, mentorship
0: you know, and support repre- yeah 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 and you know representation is, is
2: enormous. But so, so are so are having allies, and uh, so I really recognize that what I experienced, in, you, know, with, you know, with regard to gender, uh, was same was the same thing for the LGBTQ community. So if I could um, uh, provide my allyship and leveraged all the relationships that I had built over you know, decades in the industry, um, I could help. Move the needle a little bit, and um, and that's really what we did. Um, you know, you referenced Michael Sam earlier, and um, you know that period of time was when he had uh, several players. Uh, Jason Collins also came out. There was it was kind of that that uh, feeling that you know, things were going to move a little bit faster than I guess they have, but um, but it was exciting to work with the with a lot of the league's um, governing entities. Um, very closely with Major League Baseball and the NBA and the NCAA uh, to help get their, their trainings and, uh, you know, their policies, um, you know, to be as, as inclusive um, and welcoming as they possibly could. So um, that, you know, I'm still a friend of the organization, and and, um, and they do really great work, and, and clearly more
0: work needs to be done. So Did, did you notice which leagues kind of were a little bit more resilient to – to change or um, advice from, you know, a third party from outside.
2: industry-wide is recognized as um for their leadership in this space and um and i think that's very uh deserved um they were very you know even if you go if you go back to the the 90s and i think we're doing um uh trainings about uh about hiv and aids wait you know light years before and, and you know obviously magic johnson um yeah created that kind of um,
0: uh, awareness, that and, awareness and push
2: yeah. that because, yeah. he, you know, because he was HIV positive, but it, it put them, it kind of charted them just ahead of, of everybody else um, in terms of really realizing what, uh, having to treat the whole player, you know, and all the different ways that, that um, it was important to kind of... Um, prepare players and then service you know provide service to them in, in, all different, in all different ways now you have working symposiums and all of that but
1: um, and you know what was important what was important with what? that is you know he was such a he was such a big he was such a big person in the game at the time like everybody knew who Magic Johnson mm-hmm. was so having his name behind that and, like, having other athletes, you know, where whether it be any type of issue, you know, coming forward, I think it helps people to say, hey, look, you know, like there's people out there that, you know, uh, are dealing with issues and certain things, and so I think it's good to get it out there. I mean, it just makes people feel more comfortable and, I mean, just c- could t- totally help with, you know, uh, just your mental state in, in the game and yeah. all that kind of stuff, that, you know.
0: That weight off your shoulders. Yeah, and that's, and you know, when,
2: and the authenticity of it when – um, when a certain issue is, you know, when you have a player that is experiencing um, whatever it is that you know, whatever the, the issue is at hand, um, right, again, I'll go back to the NBA. They've been they've been very uh, good about identifying those um, those opportunities, and then um, and then um, uh, really providing raising awareness
1: yeah i feel like yeah. they don't wait much like usually if something happens yeah. there they come out fairly quick with it whereas every other sport kind of you, you hear about it later um so that's where i could see you know that the nba being better at that for sure where they realize
0: like, they'd rather be the first one to spread the news than it coming out right, right? And, and it's, it's a, i mean that's how it should be i mean get it myself. out
1: there and i mean and and it makes people feel more comfortable i mean a lot of people are thinking that they're going to catch you know slack for a bunch of this stuff but yeah. they really won't sort of just if get it you out. put it out there you know
2: it's also very important that this happens because a lot of really what we're talking about is is humanizing athletes, right, because these are all, all the things we're discussing, we're all things that just, you know, we all experience and anyone, you know. The term the student athlete comes, you know. Yeah, yeah. Where I, I you know, my, I think my biggest concern with it is that the dehumanization of, of athletes, um, uh, you know, because of the because of betting on um, plays and games, you know, all of that, it, it's just going to be so widespread that really keeping front and center that these are human beings that we're talking about uh, is going to be really quite
1: important. That's actually really interesting you said that because I wasn't even thinking about it like that, but then you're right because you know you you pull up your FanDuel and it's it's not a person anymore, but it's a stat. Yeah. And it's just like, you got to remember that, you know, everybody has their, you know, everybody's got got their own things going on and things like that. Kind of humbles you a little bit.
2: Yes, exactly. 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 Yeah, I, I think it's, it's really the thing we have to watch out for, um, you know, the most is that we, you know, is that we kind of uh, we re- we remember the humanity of it all.
1: Right. Absolutely. Oh, man. Well, it was such a good talk i can't believe we're already
0: yeah we don't we don't want to the end of it. take up too much of your time <laughs> we know you have a class um to prepare for tomorrow to prepare for but, tomorrow but uh, but yeah
1: no i i you know this was super interesting um and do you have um a, a, a website that you want to let me see what we got here because i definitely want to put it on here so our so everybody that's watching can kind of see um
2: I, I wish i were i wish i were that uh tech engaged but um but I, but I really don't, I mean, I'm, I'm writing for, you know, for, for, for your site now, and yeah, that's it
0: was very, uh, yeah, yeah. So they sh- everyone should check out those articles, that's where, that's where, I, would, that's where I would push you. Exactly, that's what I was going to say, uh, thank you so much for your, the time you put into the, the Culture and Sports uh, at cultureandsports.com website with your articles, and, um, you know, definitely spending time with us tonight, um, I know it's late over there, what is it, like 10 over there? Yeah. Oh a Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
2: well, um, what's I'm gonna tell you New York gets sleepy now. It's not really the
0: city that never sleeps anymore. <laughs> 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 we're we're in Southern California, we're out in um San Diego, so I mean we're it's it's that's t- Yeah, in. yeah. It's <laughs> it's anything's good over here. Everything's good over here. Yeah, no'm not used to
1: Good. Well, we and we thank you so much for coming on, and uh, and we hope to talk to you again soon. Uh, so thank you so I would much.
2: I love it. Okay,
1: take care,
0: guys. Uh, you too, Sam. I hit. Okay, I I hit. St-